Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. In behalf of Pastor Mark and Terry, who are currently in Hong Kong right now, not on vacation, but ministering to our church over there, we would like to welcome you. My name is Armin. So far, if you've been following us or you're, you've been with us this past week, you know that we're going through a series called Dare to Believe. And it's so appropriate to begin it for the year. So far, week one, okay, I'll slow down a little bit, even though I'm trying to catch time. Week one, we talked about how to have a faith to be delivered. Week two, we talked about how to have a faith to declare. Last week, we talked about having the faith to conquer. Today, we're going to talk about having the faith to claim. When Carol was beginning her exhortation in worship, I I almost wanted to give her the mic and say, go ahead, Carol, preach the message. (laughs) Anyway, so that's what we're going to be looking at today. But before we do that, I want to do some exercise. Not physical exercise. I know a lot of you here are runners. But we're going to do a spiritual exercise. Last year, we had this series called Cross Training. And we said that there is a benefit when we do spiritual discipline. So today, we're going to do a little bit of that. Usually, if it was Pastor Roland, he made you stand up and do all these stretches. No, I won't do that. What we're going to do is a spiritual uh, exercise called... Memorization, declaration, or, or uh, yeah, declaration. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to put up a Bible scripture, and I want us as a whole congregation to recite it all at the same time. Easy enough? Okay. First verse, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. This is very familiar, right? So in the count of three, I want everybody to recite it, regardless of what translation you know of. Okay? So one... Two, three. In the future. Check. See if they're correct. Are you correct? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. <laughs> plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope in the future. If you're correct, pat yourself at the back. <laughs> Good. Okay, just in case you don't know it, just pretend that you do. Just move your lips. Dub smash it. Lip sync it, okay? Just, just feel uh, secure about it. So good. <laughs> Second one. Let's do it. We're going to do three. Romans 8.28. Okay, on three. One, two, three. Okay, let's look at it. And we know that all things work together for good to those who are... Who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. You got it? Okay, pat yourself at the back. Okay, now it's going to get harder. Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6. Okay, it starts with that and it ends with something. Okay, ready? On three. One, two, three. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct your step. Okay, we started by saying that there's a benefit to this, right? I'm going to give you one practical benefit. I got here $20. For the next (laughs) scripture, I'm going to require you to say it on the mic. Okay, so you got to stand up here and say it on the mic. Wait. Don't raise your hand yet. You got to know what the verse is. Okay, this is a benefit. 
Spiritual benefit. <laughs> Spiritual benefit, $20. Okay, put up the verse. The entire Psalms 23. Come on, Frankie. Come on, brother. This is so I don't have to get a job. (laughs) The Lord. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me by the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, he comforts me. Thy prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thy anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. But surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I shall dwell in the house of my Lord forever. Forever. Woo! <laughs> Thank you. Wasn't that fun? <laughs> Next time. <laughs> so there is a benefit to spiritual discipline. That's one practical benefit. I did that. I'll, I'll make sure I'll mention why I did that. So let's just go ahead and go to week four. Today we're talking about faith to claim. And our text for today is Numbers chapter 27. Let's just go ahead and read. Numbers chapter 27. Then came the daughters of Selupihad, the sons of Heper, the son of Gilead, the son of Makir, the son of Manasseh, from the families of Manasseh, the son of Joseph. And these were the names of his, of his, of his daughters, Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Tirsa. And they stood before Moses, before Eleazar the priest, and before the leaders and all the congregation, by the doorway of the tabernacle of meeting, saying, Our father died in the wilderness, but he was not in the company of those who gathered against the Lord in company with Korah, but he died in his own sin, and he had no sons. Why should the name of our father be removed from among his family because he had no son? Give us a possession among our father's brother. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this series. And Lord, I just pray, Father, that you open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears to hear your word, and allow us to have a faith to believe, Father, all your promises that you have for us. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So what's going on in chapter 27? That this woman came up to Moses. So far, if you're familiar with the story within this book, Chapter, the book of Numbers is that they're still in the wilderness. They've been traveling, putting up their tents, putting down their tents in the wilderness. So far, the first generation have passed away. Now it's a totally new generation. Now, a chapter before 27 is 26. And in 26, God commanded Moses to number the nation all over again. So this is the second numbering in chapter 26. And this is where you first meet these women. So here in chapter 27, you see them approaching Moses, Eleazar the priest, and the chief of all the congregation. What's surprising about this woman is that they were not only mentioned once in the Bible, but they were mentioned 
five times. You probably never heard of them, in fact. I probably read through them, never bothered with them. But as I was doing this study, it came out. There was something significant about them that they were mentioned five times. Makes you wonder why, right? So if there is, there, then there has to be something that we can emulate from them. If they were so significant that they were mentioned five times, then it's worth taking a look at their story, isn't it not? So let's take a closer look at their story. So what's, what's so, what is so significant about them? Well, first thing is, out of the numbering, it's usually what was being recorded is the man and his sons, and the man and his sons. That's why as we read their story, it says that, uh, verse 1 again. It says, Then came the daughters of Silo, the son of Heper, the son of Gilead, the son of Makir, the son of Manasseh. He knows it, it's all about the son. But yet, out of that 600,000 men, these daughters were singled out and they were named. In a culture where women is almost like considered to be a property, for them to be recorded and to be named and to be repeated five times, then it really is significant. See, they're living in a culture where they are almost a second-class citizen. That's what's going on. That's what makes them so significant. But yet, it says that they went before Moses. So if you take a closer look at their situation, this, this is what's going on. He said that our father, uh, 3 and 4, says our father um, has died in his own sin. That means their father is no more. They have no brothers. They're all women, which means they have no protection. They have no income. And worse of all, they will have no inheritance. Why is that? Ancient culture, and even today, there are still people who practice this, that we usually do not give inheritance to the daughters. Why? One simple reason, to keep the inheritance within the family name. Because if you give an inheritance to your daughter, your daughter gets married, then that inheritance is now transferred to the name of the husband. So you lose out, your, your, the inheritance, the family name gets smaller when you give it to your daughters. So for that simple reason, this is their situation. They have no father, no brother, no income, nobody to protect them. They're living in a culture where they do not have a voice. It's usually the father is their voice. So, and then, worst of all, if they look at it, they're not going to have an inheritance. But yet, in this verse tells us that, back to verse 2, 1 and 2, <clears throat> but yet it says, this verse tells us that they then came the daughters of Silupihad. Let's just say Silo. Kind of difficult to say the whole name. So then came the daughters of Silo. And who did they come before? And they stood before Moses, before Elishar the priest, and before the chiefs of the congregation. In a culture where they do not have a voice, they went before the highest ranking officials of their land. They went before Moses. Makes you wonder, what gave them almost that courage to stand up despite the circumstances that they're women? They have no father, they have no, in, they have no brothers to stand up for them. But bes- despite that circumstance that they're going through, they stood before Moses, 
They stood before the priests and they stood before the chiefs of the congregation. So what gave them that courage? And that church is what we're going to be looking at. That is really... So let's take a closer look what's going on. Like we didn't yet. So Numbers chapter 27. What's going on in Numbers chapter 27? So remember, they've been wandering for 40 years. Can you imagine this daughter saying to their dad, Dad, usually camp outs only last over the weekend. We've been here for days, months, years. We've been here for decades. Can you imagine them? They've probably heard it over and over again from their from their grandfather, then down to their father, to all the, their father's brothers, to all the men of Israel. Every time they get together for the Passover, every time they get uh, together for the, the festivals that, the, that they would do, they hear this over and over again. You know what? There's an inheritance out there. There's an inheritance that God has promised to us. There's this inheritance that's flowing with milk and honey. And for years, over and over again, they probably heard it, that there's this inheritance. Then finally, they end up in the deserts of Moab, and they're right across Jericho, right at the side, the other side of the river Jordan. And finally, they're looking at the promised land. But one thing, <clears throat> but in this point in chapter 27, you got to realize that only Joshua and Caleb has ever seen the promised land. And that was 40 years ago. Not our 40 years. Their 40 years. Okay? That was the last time, the last two men that saw it, and it was 40 years ago. Finally, here they are. And in chapter 26, God commanded Moses to number them. So all of a sudden, <clears throat> there's this big excitement that, hey, we're being numbered all over again. And you know the reason why, why God commanded Moses to number them was one is to count all the fighting men, all men who are who is 20 years old and above. And the second reason why God commanded Moses to number them was this, so that they can have an accurate accounting on how to divide the land, according to families, according to clan. Big families, big land. Small families, small land, of course, right? So here they are, and the other side of the promised land, in faith, dividing a land that they have never entered. Did you hear that, church? They're already dividing the land by faith when only the two persons that had ever entered it saw it 40 years ago. See, I believe this was what God wanted them to, to do in the very first numbering, but it took more than 40 years. So here's the daughters of Silo. Hearing Moses, hearing the tribesmen saying, okay, we're going to divide it this way, divide it this way. And, all, and then they realize, hey, we're still on this side. The promised land is across the river and you guys are already dividing it. I believe they finally realized that the inheritance was never because of their own doing. It was always has been a promise that God is giving them as a gift. And I believe that is why these daughters of Silo, hey, Moses, hey, leaders of the land, if you can stand in faith and divide the land that we have never entered, then why should our father's name be blot out because he is dead? If this inheritance is not based on the law, it is not based on what we've earned, it is not based on culture, then 
we can also have a possession of this promised land. Church, that's faith, church. That's audacious faith for you to count your chicks before they're even hatched. Conventional wisdom tells you don't do that. But God wanted you to exactly do that. For you to divide the land even before you even set put in it. Because you're basing your faith on a promise that he has given us. Amen? And that's where these daughters are standing in. Which really brings us to one good point. And perhaps this is the only point I'll do. Is that the beginning of all of this. In order for us to have a faith to claim the promises of God. We must first know the promises of God. You got to know, church, what you got to claim. And that's why we did that exercise. Because if you don't know, what would you claim? And unfortunately, many believers do not really know a lot of the promises of God. Sometimes I wonder if heaven has a claims department, how much have we really claimed? (laughs) Uh, Just wondering, okay? So that is audacious faith, church. A faith to claim the promises of God despite of the circumstances that's going on. I want to share with you a personal testimony that happened to me last year. Uh, I work for the Guam Power Authority. Uh, I used to be assigned at the Tangisan Power Plant back in uh, Derido. But in the December of 2014, the plant was decommissioned. And along in that month, my immediate supervisor was, uh, was he resigned for a better opportunity in the mainland. So the next month, January 2015, we were transferred to Cabras. In the beginning of the month, probably this is also what you guys do, in the beginning of the year, rather, the supervisors submit their performance evaluation of their, of their people, the ones under them. But because our supervisor resigned, we had nobody, and he did not. <laughs> he didn't do our performance evaluation. So upper management said to our now to our now supervisor, okay, since nobody's gonna do uh, the, these guys' evaluation, performance evaluation, let the other supervisors in the plant do it. And everybody said, no, we don't know what they do. We don't know what the, what's up with that. You know, basically they said, no, of course not. What's up with that? So okay, so that that went down the drain. So so the next um, solution they gave was that, okay, since that's the case, they gave us a reason why. For some reason, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to give you all threes. We are rated from one to five. Three means barely there, passing grade, satisfactory. And that really upset me because I know in my heart of hearts that is not who I am as an employee. For you to, to be rated as satisfactory really means you go into work, you clock in, you do whatever it is that you do, then you go out. That's all it is. So I was so upset. I was so upset that uh, that I didn't really give the best... Uh, <laughs> reaction to my supervisor. That's how upset I was. I was upset really because of that idea that you're, you're telling me that I am a mediocre. That's what, that's what really upset me. So, of course, that went on. Then I, and I gave my suggestion. Why don't we do this? Why don't we take an average of the previous years? At least that gives us a fair deal. Okay, you're telling me I'm a three. I'm giving, you a, I'm giving you a look of my previous evaluation. At least you can base it there. So my, my supervisor went ahead and uh, went to the upper management. But what did I do? Well, I did what uh, everybody should do. I went to the Lord, just like these daughters of Silo. 
So, so I went to the Lord and, and the Lord told me, in my, in my complaining to God, God said, don't worry, I'll fight for you, I'll take care of this. That's what God told me. So okay, so <laughs> I calmed down. A few days later, my now supervisor comes back to me and said, you know what, they don't want your suggestion. Instead, this is what they don't want you to do. Write up your own evaluation. I said, really? Seriously? So if I write fives in all my categories, you're going to give it to me? When at the first place she said, you're going to give me three? But since God said, I'll take care of it, I'll fight. Okay, I went with it. We submitted it. A few days later, they called us in to sign it. And I looked at it. Sure enough, they still gave us three. <laughs> three and four. But hey, but God said he took, he's taking care of it, right? What can I do? So I took that. I signed it, gave it to him. I went through human resources. A few weeks later, I see the result of my rating. Uh, I looked at my paycheck. I was like, oh, wow. I got an increment, yes. <laughs> but I was still, I was still upset. <laughs> so I looked at it and I made the comparison from the previous years that I've got, the, the increments that I got. And I noticed it was the least. Since I've started with the agency, it was the least that I have received. It was much lesser. Is that a proper math verse? Lesser? It was much lesser. It was much lesser than the bare first year increment that I got. Now, if the upper management was the one that decided, if you're faced with this type of situation, what do you really do now? Usually, when you have a complaint, you bring it to upper management, right? But if it's the upper management that made the decisions, where do you bring it to? You bring it to God. Now, in this situation, what do you claim? That's, one of our, that, that's a question that I want to uh, get you guys going. What do you claim? God was faithful when he said, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I've been claiming that. I have claimed Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. There are plans to prosper you and not to harm you. I have, uh, I have claimed those. I have claimed Romans 8, 28, That all things, even this mess up, Lord, will work for my benefit. I, I've always said, Lord, because you said you'll take care of it, I didn't uh, let my mouth go off anymore, and you kept my path straight for your knowing sake. <laughs> I followed everything, but yet here it is. So what do you do now? What do you claim? So, so, so what do you claim? And that's really is, church, the whole point. If we know the promises of God, we can have a faith to claim. You know what I claim? You guys interested to know what I claim? We got a few minutes. It so happened that during this time, I was rereading some, uh, some of the books in the Old Testament. In John 10.10, 10, it says that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. In Exodus chapter 22, this is what it says. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. Ox is five, sheep is four. What's, what's up with that? God doesn't know his math? Of course he does. It is a principle of return. The greater value has to have a greater return. An ox is more expensive than a sheep. Therefore, the ox has a greater return. If you read along Exodus chapter 22, you will notice that it is all about God's judgment of God's law regarding anybody who's become a victim of injustice. If you've been stolen from... Your property has been damaged. 
If your car has been stolen from, your house has been stolen from, your ox died on all of this. The principle of God is that it shall be repaid. That's what Carol was already preaching this morning. It's a repayment. But who does the repayment? In Romans chapter, in the, in the book of Romans, Paul encourages the church to do not repay evil for evil, but rather repay evil with good. And then say, do not take vengeance. Leave room for wrath. Then God said, for vengeance is mine, I will repay. It's coming out of Deuteronomy, and it's the same thing. God says, vengeance is mine, I will recompense. In Hebrews, it's the same thing. Vengeance is mine, I will repay. So God took it upon himself that if you are a victim of such injustice, he will be the one to repay you. That is a promise of God, church. That's a promise. Just in case you didn't know, that was a promise of God. The law works in the side of the victim. That's the heart of God when God gave the law. It is always the one that's been victimized. It is always the one that's being taken advantage of that he protects. This is coming out of Exodus chapter 22. So that's what I began to claim. Lord, you said, I still feel bad, Lord. I still feel bad about this situation. Therefore, I claim my return. And that's what I started to claim. See, and that's what the daughters of Silufidad did. And what did God do when they brought that up to Moses? Well, they brought it up to Moses. And Moses brought it up to the Lord. Numbers 27, 5 to 7. So Moses brought their case before the Lord. And it says that, And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, The daughters of Silo speak what is right. You shall surely give them a possession of inheritance among their father's brothers and cause the inheritance of their fathers to pass to them. Isn't that wonderful? Despite of culture, despite of what is culturally accepted, them having no voice, they went to Moses. Moses went to the Lord and the Lord said, they're right. Give them a possession. Because they had the faith to claim that if everybody believes that this inheritance is through the promise of God, then I or they also went to claim the promises of God. Now back to my story. So what happened? That was February of last year. Six months later, an income came to me. I did not expect it at all. Wasn't, uh, wasn't, uh, I wasn't expecting it. So I was so surprised when it came. So I looked at it, got me excited, and then I remember my evaluation <laughs> increment. So I looked at it and I made a comparison. It's like, wow. I said, wow. You know how much I got in return? Proverbs chapter 6, verse 31. It says, yet he is found. He here is talking about a thief. He must restore sevenfold. I got my return sevenfold of what I've lost on my increment. That's how good our God is. When he makes a promise and we claim the promise, God will take it upon himself because he's God. In closing, Joshua chapter 23. Now, Joshua, we'll close with this verse. Okay, Joshua, most of you know we've been talking about Joshua, Moses, Caleb. Don't get your, I hope you guys don't get mixed up with the books. Joshua 
was the leader after Moses. Now, in this uh, particular passage, Joshua 23, it says that, Behold, this day I am going away to all the earth. He was about to die. Joshua really lived longer or had a longer experience with God than Moses. Moses had his 40 years in the desert. But after Moses died, it was passed on to Joshua. Joshua lived on to conquer the land. So can you imagine that? The first mention of Joshua is when he fought with the Amalekites. That's his first uh, mention. And then we, uh, as, as you read through this book, you would know that he became the assistant. He was the one with, with, that would always linger around the, uh, the tent when Moses leaves, but he stays there. He became his assistant. He became one of his choice men, the Bible says. Everything that Moses had witnessed, pretty much Joshua had witnessed. The voice of God that Moses heard, Joshua heard. So Joshua had a, uh, technically speaking, had a longer time of experience with God. And this is what he has to say when he was about to die. Behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. And you know in all your hearts and in all your soul that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed. Church, that's the confidence that we can have on the promises of God. Here is a man who went through 40 years in the, de- 40 years in the desert when it was not even his fault. He saw his brothers fall left and right, and he still lived. He was able to conquer the land, and he's here. At the end of his life, he says, All the promises that God gave to us, not a single one of them has failed. Church, we can have this faith to to claim the promises of God, because God can back up his promise. It's really up to us. You know, in Isaiah, it says that, the arm of the Lord is never too short to save, nor is here, or is here, his ear, never dull to hear. But what separates us from him is our sin and our iniquity. But through Jesus Christ, that's been taken care of. So really, church, all his promises is there for the taking. There's nothing that's stopping you to claim every promises that he has given to us. It's really just us. It's whether you know it, you've read it, or whether you're reading it. We, 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 we declared for today, and I hope by next week or some other time that I come back again and we do this exercise, we can do much more. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this series. Father, thank you for, for your word. And thank you, Father, for, for, that, for that word that Joshua spoke. <laughs> That, Lord, in all his years and in all the promises that you have given to them as a children, not one of them failed. And, Father, we put our faith on this. That, Lord, whatever circumstances we're going through, whatever situation, it might look <clears throat> desperate. But, Lord, according to your word, and you encourage us to have faith to claim your promises. Just put your hand in your heart, church. Father, for 2016, I pray, O Lord, that we would have this courage that these daughters of Silo had to claim all your promises. Lord, may we realize that all your promises 
are not based on our performance, but it is based on your character and your character alone. That it is based because you are a good God. And as we even declared it, surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That you would anoint our head with oils, that our cup will run over, that even though we walk through the shadow of the valley of death, we shall fear no evil, for you are with us. That, Lord, your very instrument of discipline is intended to comfort us. Father, thank you that your promise says that you're making us lie down in green pastures. You're making us walk. You're leading us beside the still waters. You're restoring our soul. You're leading us into paths of righteousness so that we will never stumble, so that nobody can ever malign you as who you are as a God. And Lord, I pray for us as a congregation that you allow that to happen for 2016. <clears throat> Just want to pray for another thing. If you're here today and you feel that you've been, you've been wondering what this Jesus and what this God thing is, and today you feel like, you, you feel it today that I want to try this Jesus that they've been talking about. He seems like a good thing. And if that's you, I want to pray with you. So if everybody can just keep their heads bowed and their eyes closed. Everybody just close your eyes, bow your head. And if there's someone here today and you want to make this day a day that you want to try what this Jesus is and what God has really for your life, I want to pray for you. I want to be able to identify you at the same time. So if that's you, if you can just raise your hand and look up. Okay, I see your hand. Anybody else? see that hand okay let's pray everybody else can pray with me if you could just follow along heavenly father I know what separates us is sin I thank you that you sent Jesus your son to pay for my sin my condemnation and my guilt the curses and the sickness. I receive his forgiveness and I give my life to Jesus. I surrender everything that I have to Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.